Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with freelance models. Today, I have Jenna Citrus on the phone. Say hello. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Also, I'm so excited that we get to talk. Whenever I see your content, I think it exudes like happiness to me. Thanks. I just saw, well, in one of your podcasts, you were talking about, I guess, the authenticity behind people making things. Like if you can tell a model's unhappy at a shoot, I was like, yeah, I can see some of those in the past, but also I've been just doing my own stuff for a while. So That's cool. You've been doing your own stuff, like mostly self-shooting, you mean? Well, I think the things I've been making recently are kind of like reels for Instagram and I've been self-shooting. I guess I've done a couple photo shoots this summer with a photographer I've worked with for years and years that I'm a big fan of. Cool. And are you based in Georgia? No, I am in Kentucky. Kentucky. Oh, cool. Middle of the Midwest out here. <laughs> Sweet. What What is it like in Kentucky for modeling? Uh, you have to travel at least two hours to do it pretty much. <laughs> oh, Every once in a while, you'll find some... Well, the person I was just talking about that I've worked with this summer, we, he lives an hour from here. And I've worked with him since 2016 on and off. Oh, you've actually worked with him too. I've seen you and his work. But we've just shot together on and off, and it's been been really good to have someone that's here. But otherwise, what? who is it? Justin Epperson. Oh yeah, yeah, he's really nice. I like him. Yeah, I do too. Well, <laughs> he's kind of like the inspiration to me for photographers because I've done a lot of trips, and well, I, sometimes I get really burnt out on them because I'm not working with people that are trying to make art. They're trying to take pictures of naked people so they can look at them later, and I'm like. Ugh. <laughs> It's just kind of this this weird fuzzy differentiation, and sometimes I can spot it in their portfolio, and other times I can't. And I'm like, oh, I'm working with another one of these. Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. You are so right about that. Like yesterday, I had a shoot where the photographer, like we were having lunch before doing sunset, and he was like, "So when you work with other models, do you pay them?" And I'm like, "You mean like when I'm photographing and they're photographing me?" And I, I could tell that he was like annoyed that models photograph each other sometimes without like money being exchanged. And he was like, why am I paying you if you and your model friends shoot each other for free? And I was just like, I was so offended. And then, you know, I was like, why do you think you're paying me? Throw <laughs> <laughs> that question, I guess you. Do you think I'd be here if you weren't? <laughs> And don't get me wrong, there are some photographers that like I would just absolutely love to work with them and I would work with them for free. But there's some that I'm just like, your work is good, but I can do the same thing it by myself. And it's and I have copyright over them and I don't have yeah. trouble and there's no no problems or barriers to entries of me just doing that alone, unless you're a lot better than me, which I hope so. Some photographers are and please get better than me, but <laughs> oh. Yeah. Or, I mean, at the very basic, like, they want to photograph you from their vision, and you don't necessarily need the type of imagery of their view of you, if that makes any sense. (laughs) I hate to be this person, but, like, I need zero more pictures of me on a white or black background naked. Like, I have so many of those. Yeah. (laughs) At a certain point, it's like your time is valuable and it's like well I could be just sitting in my room like you know doing whatever or I could be modeling for you for your Instagram posts or model mayhem portfolio or whatever and I've not had a lot of like I would say it's half and half when I do either trade with someone or we make an arrangement where I'm going to get photos afterwards 
half the time they'll deliver and the other half the time they're like, no, they didn't turn out. I'm like, what do you mean? We shot for three hours. They didn't turn out. Like, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, your time is valuable. Time Mm -hmm. is valuable, especially if you've been doing it for a long time. (laughs) So for people listening, do you mind talking about how you first started getting into modeling and then how your career has progressed? Sure. I started back when I was uh, about 16. I worked at a photo studio. Well, I'd been taking pictures of other people and myself because I didn't have too many models around and I was in high school. And so I'd take pictures of my friends. And then one of my photography teachers was like, hey, you should get an internship. So I spent eight years at a local studio, kind of being in front of the lens and behind the lens. And I finally got to the point where I was a little more excited about being in front of the lens and also taking self-portraits. And this is going to be a very weird, maybe mean thing to say. And I I almost hate to say it, but I'm going to. But I would take pictures of models that I had no connection to. Like it was some random person I'd find off Model Mayhem that was willing to model for me. And I'd take these pictures and I'd give them to them. And then I'd be like, what do I do with these pictures? (laughs) Because I just had no connection to them when I'd go back and look at them. Like, yay for honing skills and learning and practicing and all the good things that come with that. And every once in a while, I'd get one and be like, okay, this one I can put in my photography portfolio. But otherwise, it was just like, why am I doing this? (laughs) So that's kind of been a bit of a weird learning curve. Uh, I guess in 2015, I did my first modeling trip. Well, I'd I'd been doing figure art modeling in college. So I'd do those nude classes where you'd sit there and let people draw you for a long time, which at first I really liked because it paid $14 an hour, which was more than I could get at any other job at that point in time. But in when I started making $100 an hour in 2015, I was like, oh, why would anyone ever do this again? But I do know some models still do it. But my body's gotten too old for that at this point in time, yeah. sitting still that long. But And then my mom was kind of amazed. She's like, you can't sit still at all in real life. How do you do this for hours? And I'm like, I don't know. You just kind of just hang out in your head and sort of meditate and hang out there. But yeah, so I did a trip to New York in 2015, and that really kind of got me started off on being a paid model doing shoots and it kind of just snowballed from there I feel like every time I'd plan a trip it would be a little bit around modeling and a little bit around I just want to go here and as much well I I heard a little bit of Bunny Luna say this in your podcast too but I've never been able to make traveling model traveling modeling make me enough money to support myself like I could make it cover the costs of a trip but I usually wasn't making much money except a couple times that I worked with Ivy Lee up in Pennsylvania where she had a bunch of things lined up and then I got a bunch of other things lined up and I made like it was either three or six grand in four or five days and I'm like okay I can see money there but usually I would just barely cover my trip costs so that wasn't usually a great way to make money (laughs) but it was a good way to travel for free-ish so yeah it is hard And then I guess in 2018, I had just dropped out of grad school for art. It was really messing with my head. And then someone was telling me, I'd been on Patreon as an art person slash I put some of my nude photos on there, but I wasn't trying to push that as a market. And then someone sort of took me under their wing in 2018 and they're like, hey, here's a couple pointers. If you do this on YouTube and then paywall videos that a few that are naked, you can make money doing that. I'm like, oh, okay. And then that took off. And I was like, well, this is the obvious way to make money. So I still do traveling modeling when it comes up and when it's with someone that I want to work with and I've vetted their portfolio and I'm like, okay, this looks like good work. Or I'm like, hey, I'm going to charge you extra. because I don't I don't say this, but I'm like, I'll charge you extra because I don't like your work. Yeah. But I am still available to be hired. I just don't do it nearly as much 
And I don't really cold call anymore. I'll put out a casting. And if something comes of it, I'm like, hey, cool. I made a new friend. I met a new person that's nice. But mostly I would try to work with other models. That's kind of where I've gotten to the point of like, I want to find modelographers that want to shoot with me and I want to shoot with them. And then we make things for our sites too. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Exactly what that guy was talking to me about. (laughs) Why would you do that for free? Because it's beneficial to me. (laughs) Right. So you're not doing like the busting ass level of travel modeling. Like when I was making good profit at it, I would have like 10 shoots in like five days, but it burns you out. It burns you out. And I don't think I ever got to the point where I was doing that consistently. That one trip in the DC, Pennsylvania, I think it was like also three or 4,000 miles that we just like booked really fast and just did all the stuff all at once was good money and good I didn't enjoy the trip because I didn't have a trip. I just had work the whole time and driving. (laughs) So uh, yeah, that would be very burning out. And I look at Astrid doing that and I'm like, how do you keep going? And she's got all these day shoots and half day shoots and then traveling in between. I'm like, what are you doing? Good thing you're going to go for it. (laughs) Astrid's schedule is intense. When I look at it, I feel the same way too. where I'm just so happy at home. I'm like, I liked traveling and I slowed down because of the, well, in 2019, I sort of naturally slowed down right before the pandemic hit. And I was just kind of turning into a little bit of a homebody. And I've done a little bit more traveling here and there, but I've also gotten dogs in the past two years. And I'm like, well, they don't want to do this kind of crazy travel schedule. Yeah. Having pets would definitely do that. And that's part of the reason why I don't have pets is because I travel too much. I I see some models travel with their pets and on some ends of it, I'm like, good for you. And I'm glad this is happening. And on the other end, because like my dogs like to travel, they don't mind. They don't seem to care, but they don't. I think they just rather be here with people. That's their thing. It's like, as long as you don't leave them alone. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But I know that some photographers may have an issue with bringing a dog to their place. Absolutely. I, I do travel with a partner. So that's where I can be like, hey, you babysit the dogs, but I also, so he's, he can also double as my escort and some photographers also have a problem with that. But thankfully he's been doing this long enough with me that he knows not to do all the crazy stuff that the boyfriends at the shoots do. So that's good. good. I have heard some stories. Oh yeah. I hear hear all the reasons why escorts aren't allowed. I'm like, well, if you don't allow escorts, I don't think I should come. But also I do understand why people don't. So I, I mean, I get it too, but like at the same time, like if you have a negative experience with one type of person, that doesn't mean everybody that fits that description is going to be like that. Right. So you have to pick and choose, but you yeah. can't just have a rule based on like only escorts that have done this before are allowed to come. Yeah. No boyfriends allowed. I had a, I remember when I was new to modeling, I had one of those like meet the photographer for coffee like mm-hmm. things. And he was like, telling me a story and this was a huge red flag that I didn't really realize at the time but he was telling me a story about how a model brought her boyfriend to a shoot and like he was being problematic so the photographer says that he picked him up and threw him through the wall oh my god what <laughs> and I was like shoot with him I was like is that are you bragging to me about this or like should I be worried are you gonna throw me through the wall if I act <laughs> during our shoot Right. I don't know. Yeah, it was a little weird. Some people are like, they just want to let you know about times that they were aggressive in the past. And it kind (laughs) of. I don't want to know this. I don't want to be with you if you're going to do that. It's terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) 
So today you say that you've mostly just been shooting with one photographer in Kentucky. Do you have any like upcoming trips coming up? Yeah, I am actually going to High Springs, Florida to do some of the underwater springs, shoot down there a little bit. And then... Oh, that's right. With us. (laughs) I didn't know if you were going to mention that you guys were going to be there. Yes, yes. (laughs) That's about three weeks. I'm really excited. I've been in a few of the springs with Astrid before, but... I just love the underwater life. So I will preface this with saying I'm not a fantastic underwater model. Well, when I compare myself to you guys, but when I compare myself to someone who's never done it, I'm better than I was when I started. So that's good. I'm like, I'm like a five on the okay at it scale. <laughs> well, just being yeah. underwater and not freaking out is like making somebody much better than most people at posing underwater. <laughs> I just love being underwater. If I can wear goggles, I'm even better. But, you know, that's not really a look. But. I mean, it's one look. Yeah, I just, I've always loved being underwater. And so I'm very excited about this trip coming up because the, the springs are so clear. It's just crazy and beautiful to be there. And we don't have anything like that here. Well, Astrid was asked if there was anywhere to shoot underwater in Kentucky. And I think I can just tell you the answer is no. <laughs> like You can shoot in someone's personal swimming pool, but otherwise everything is so muddy here and nasty in the lake. And like, you can't see more than a couple inches in front of your face. And so to be in the water there where you can just see meters and meters in the distance, I'm like, yes, sign me up for this. Yes, totally. I want to take a short little break to tell you about Model Society. Modelsociety.com is a website dedicated to featuring figurative fine art photography for models and photographers. What makes them different than other portfolio hosting websites is that some of those other websites will still host kind of tacky photography or exploitative photos. Model Society screens all of their contributors for quality and authenticity. So you only get the best of the best on there. If you're not a photographer or model, you can still enjoy and appreciate Model Society because they also have newsletters and magazines featuring their best work and new articles each week. Check it out, modelsociety.com. I will also include a link to Model Society in the show notes. All right, now back to our show. So you said you sort of slowed down and your traveling started in, in 2019 Mm -hmm. like how many years were you doing the traveling for I think I had about a good three or four years where I was traveling at least a hundred days out of the year whoa (laughs) well I wasn't modeling every day I was traveling but I would always try to get as much modeling work as I could but I was just like hey I have a trip for this reason do that but yeah I I would know 2017 was really hot and heavy I think pretty much as soon as that 2015 year hit I just went hard and traveled as much as I could. And I was still in college. So for a while it was, I'd do spring breaks and summer breaks. And then I I graduated and had a fellowship at my school during 2017. So that was, or maybe 16, no, yeah, 16. So that was, I didn't have to be in the classroom at certain hours. So it gave me a lot of flexibility to, when I did grad school exploring, I think I went to five or six different grad schools in person to look at them and see if it was going to be a good fit. And then I'd travel and do a trip while I was on there. Yeah. That's so cool. So over the course of the time that you've been doing all these shoots, you've probably had a various amount of different types of experiences. I have a part of my podcast that I like to call the photo shoot fail of the week. Can you describe a situation that's a memorable story from your modeling career where 
something happened like the photo shoot itself was crazy like the situation was off the wall or perhaps the photographer themselves was crazy i think i'm gonna have to do two quick ones because the yes. story i had originally picked out was pretty bad <laughs> well not too bad but this one's just funny because i was modeling in high heels so i don't wear high heels as a person but every once in a while i'll wear them for a shoot because it's required or requested and i fell backwards into a white roll of paper oh shit like it went down and I went down and everything went down and I was recording behind the scenes (gasps) yes so I put it online and it ended up on fail army (laughs) yes that's hilarious these pretty heels and this short purple dress and then so that's oh my god I have to see that (laughs) I'll find it and send it to you okay but and then my less exciting funny one it was a it was 36 degrees and it was an outdoor photo shoot and it was spring and it wasn't supposed to be 36 degrees, but it was. And thankfully he let me wear most clothes most of the time. But yeah, he wanted to shoot art nudes in 36 degree weather. And I'm like, I'll be in my car most of the time, but okay, you paid for two hours and you get probably about a half hour, but here we go. Mm-hmm. And it made me sort of upset because I knew him from a studio and the studio was like five miles away. I was thinking, why did you just not book me in the studio but that's just just being cold and miserable a little bit oh because they didn't want to pay the additional <laughs> studio fee i'm guessing but i had him at my urasaki photographer right though so at least i was getting paid more than you yeah yeah really cold shoots yeah. suck especially if the person that you're working with is like gonna be annoyed that you need time to warm up and I get, I think Astrid dis- disclosed this about you too, if that's okay to talk about it, but we, yeah, we sure. have Renault's disease. And so our fingers and toes just kind of get white if they get too cold. So that it's like, oh, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I do have, you have it too? Yeah. Did you know that you could get medication that helps? I do, but I know the side effects are really bad. And the thing that I've been trying and struggling with so much is just fixing my diet because that's one of the best things you can do to support it is go. Have you heard of the autoimmune protocol diet? No. So it's very strict and very hard for different restaurants. (laughs) If you're at Olive Garden, you can have uh, iceberg lettuce and olives and that's all. But you take out all the nightshades, anything that has antibiotics in it, a whole bunch of grains, and you eliminate all these different foods, and it really helps heal your body. So if, if you're feeling, or are you on medicine for it? Do you try, have you done medicine? Um, Yeah, I did get prescription medication, and I don't think that I'm having negative side effects, but I also don't take it every day. I only take it during times that I think that I'm going to be doing a really cold shoot. Okay. But wait, what are the negative side effects? Uh, I'm just like leery about all negative side effects for all drugs. So I didn't research that one in particular. I was just like, and mine's not so bad that it happens every day. But if it's under yeah. six degrees, it can happen. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah. it's mostly spring, but this is a problem. <laughs> yes. So the one that I'm on, apparently the same medication that they would give to somebody who has high blood pressure to lower their blood pressure is what they give to somebody with Raynaud's because it does something to like open your capillaries or whatever to get your proper circulation to your extremities. Because when you get cold or you're getting your Raynaud's triggered, that is the issue is that the capillaries are constricting. And, you know, for me, it makes my hands go numb. And once my hands go numb, psychologically, I'm like, oh my God, I have to get out of the water. It's so cold, you know, and and it just gets worse and worse. And eventually my hands and feet will start hurting if I don't warm up. So I was actually instructed to 
buy my own blood pressure device so that I could record my blood pressure for a week every day before they were going to prescribe me this medication. And I found out that my blood pressure is actually like the very lowest that it could be for a healthy person. So I actually have low blood pressure. And they were worried about giving me high blood pressure medication because it might make my blood pressure too low. So they just gave me the very minimum dose prescription. And they said, if you feel lightheaded or faint, like stop taking it. And so I only take it on like the night before, like I I take it at night. So I don't have to deal with having it hitting me during the day. And if it does like lower my blood pressure like below, I haven't noticed lightheadedness from it, but I think that's really the only negative side effect that I was told about. I kind of struggle with low blood pressure. I've not been diagnosed with that either. I'm kind of anti-doctor as much as I can be. Like, yeah. I have probably a bunch of things wrong with me and I just don't have diagnoses, diagnoses for them. But that sounds like it might not be a good fit for me. But yeah, doing the blood pressure thing for a week seems like something I ought to do. Give myself the blood pressure challenge. See it's fun it to check your blood pressure. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm going to give like kudos and shout outs to both you and Chris, or you are Christy, sorry, you and Astrid, but like how hard you both work at these underwater shoots. Just, well, yeah. the whole, like if my hands are numb, I'm going to keep going. And for me, I'm like, can I get out of the water and go warm up? <laughs> yeah, it is hard. I've been taking cold showers lately in preparation to do this Florida Springs thing because the Florida Springs water is even colder than the cenote water. And I just, I just need to like psychologically beef up my resistance to the cold, even if physically I'm not that resistant to it. Like I can only do so much about how physically resistant I am. Like I don't have a lot of, like, I've, I've not very much body fat and it does not help. <laughs> I found the water in the springs when I first got in, it felt very warm, but we went on a cold day. And then the longer I was in there, the worse and worse like, but as soon as I started seeing my fingers were going white, I was like, yeah, I got to get out of here. But I didn't feel cold. And then all of a sudden it just sort of set in. It's like, you are cold and need to get out. Yeah. Something like an hour to three hours is how long you can be in 72 degree water before you can get hypothermia. So we'll just make sure you guys take breaks and get out. (laughs) I definitely take breaks. And we're going to have a third model on this next trip also. So but we'll also have six photographers, but we are going to make, you know, make sure that there's time to warm up and stuff. So, and that's really needed for me, especially for me, if I'm in the water for about 30 minutes at a time, that's kind of my max. Otherwise, like I can't marathon it, you know, like if I, if I get so cold, there's, there's a point of no return for me where like, I'm just ruined for the rest of the day. So I have to maintain like my, my body in a way that like I can make it through the entire day of like, you know, 20 to 30 minute sessions and then, you know, 10 minutes to warm up or maybe 20 minutes to warm up. And I think that that's fine and understandable because underwater shoot in Nashville. And I was just, I sort of gave him the whole, I'm not the Christie's and Ashford's of the world. I'm, I'm a normal person who has limits and boundaries. He's like, that's totally fine. We, we can take it easy. And he's like, you did a lot better than I thought you would. I'm like, Hey, thanks. That's good. (laughs) Get the preface and be like, okay. Yes. Yes. Cold resistant. I mean, even outside of the water, like if it's windy and 50 outside, even on a sunny day, it can be really cold. And it's definitely like a factor if you're going to be a professional freelance model is that you're going to get cold. Even in studios, sometimes it's really cold. And then they have the heater glow- blowing on you and you're like, yes, please leave the heater on all the time. 
Yes, the kind of heater that blows hot air on you, not the kind that just radiates hot air and takes six hours to warm the room. The blowing kind. <laughs> oh, we did a shoot. I think it was 42 at the abandoned schoolhouse. And oh. it, it doesn't make the worst photo shoot list because it was so many nice models and Ivy was running it and there were all the good things going on. But I was just always wearing my coveralls as, as, when I wasn't modeling. I'm just like, hey, let me throw these on. And it was cold, but it wasn't crazy cold. So, Yeah. That reminds me, I should round up some like extra blankets for this upcoming springs trip because like I I even bought a uh, Milwaukee battery powered heated jacket for those trips. And I was like bringing this heated jacket to Florida and people were like, <laughs> why do you have a Milwaukee battery in your in your jacket when I'm going through the airport to get there? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> going to Florida. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. So you you do a lot of photography yourself and then self-portraiture, and and you're posting that on Patreon? Yeah, Patreon and OnlyFans. Yep, both of those. Sweet. That's awesome. And and that's your primary income is the stuff that you just create yourself? Yes, and I still do. Like, if people give me for... If people give me photos from photo shoots and they're okay with me putting them online, I do put them on both of those platforms too. But I've noticed that videos tend to sell better online. So as much as I'm super okay with doing as many photo shoots, if I can find video platforms to be on, that's better. There's something here in Kentucky called Hook, Line, and Chill. And it's a fishing show where you get out on the Green River and you run 40 different hooks and you try to reel catfish in. And as soon as I was on that show, there was a big spike in viewership for OnlyFans. And I was like, hey. I, and then I, I realized, I was like, I love being out here and fishing. So that was, that's kind of a fun little mix. Huh. Yeah. That's I, cool. And I, I keep asking people, because I don't know the best method to, what are YouTubers that would be willing to have you on the show as guests? And I'm like, I don't know, but I would love love to find out. So oh my God. Yeah. You do have a pretty prolific YouTube channel. How's that going for you? It's going good. It's been a little stagnant lately, but that was how my Patreon first grew. I would put videos on YouTube. And if I'd have something go viral, I'd get a lot of people subscribing to Patreon to see more. So that was kind of the whole, the funnel. And then it works with OnlyFans too, but not quite as well. So I'm, I'm kind of back, back and forth on, well, I, I, I post similar videos on both of them, but then I post more on OnlyFans because that one seemed to, I only started that in 2020, but it really just picked up once people got excited about it. And I'm like, okay, I'll post on there. Oh, you're motivating me to get back on YouTube. They recently deplatformed me and I've been kind of upset about it for the last month. <laughs> so they demonetized you or they took your whole channel away? Oh, I had never had my channel monetized. I didn't want to try monetizing YouTube. I, I mean, actually, so that's a lie. I did monetize it once for a very short period of time. I got like a thousand views and I think I made like seven cents and I was like, this is not worth it. And so I just demonetized my own channel because mm -hmm. I'm like, I just want to post videos for fun and then hopefully generate interest in what else I'm doing so people can find me. And I had my YouTube channel since 2009 wow. and they took my whole channel down after I posted a posing demonstration video on a bed in like little booty short panties and a crop top. Dang. Yeah. yeah, they completely, they said that my, my channel had sexual gratification on it. And I was like, isn't there a three strikes like thing? Like, aren't you supposed to have strikes and warnings before they, but you know, I went through every avenue that I could to try and get my channel back and it was futile. Dang. Yeah. So 
yeah, they could take you down at no notice. And I, I was really upset about it. So I know that I, I want to be back on there. Like I have a backup page, but I haven't been adding to it. I'm, it's just, it really hurts getting deplatformed. <laughs> well, I'm shocked that they took you off for that because I've been able to get away with that kind of stuff lately, but I can't get away with anything sheer unless I'm covering or I'm wearing, I, I don't wear pasties, but like if I wear a pasty is supposedly another way to get away with sheer things, but mm-hmm. I'm, and and so when I, I've had my platform taken down like two or three different times, and it was when I was using hand bras without any lingerie on or just different things. It was like it was too naked for them. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. That yeah, was YouTube? Really, yeah, it was YouTube. But they feel like they've made new rules lately, like within the past six months or so that are a little more yeah. like, well, they will take a video of mine down, but they don't give me a strike for it. So that's weird. I, I know. Like, I'm like, okay, thanks for not hurting my channel yet. But yeah, I'm always very careful with it and try to post as, post as much as I can without getting too much. And I'm like, ah, where's that line? So, well, that was yeah. when I first started with Patreon, because when I first started modeling, I didn't consider nudity adult content. I was just like, this is me being a person and don't, don't worry about all the naked stuff. And then the more, well, once I got on OnlyFans, I was like, oh yeah, this is, I know what's happening now. <laughs> But I, I just fought Patreon for the longest time. It's like, I'm not trying to make adult content. I'm just doing nudes. It's art nudes. It's not like sex nudes. And they're like, yeah, it's sex nudes. So oh my God. I had the same problem with Patreon. It was I was extremely offended as well. It is, uh, <laughs> yes. It's just like, if you allow nudity, like, I don't know. I had the same, I had a huge like beef with Patreon. They almost completely took down my channel over a black and white like angular nude photo of me where like I was my whole body was twisted into this open triangle which involved my knees being apart but it was a very artistic pose and a very artistic photo and they were gonna take my whole page down over it and I was like fine and I took it down it was one of my favorite art nudes though I was so pissed but I do love with Patreon that they email you and ask you nicely to do the thing before. And they, they said they've never just like taken someone's page down, except I think there was one person that was doing like super hate speech. And they're like, OK, you can't be on here, which is I don't. I, yeah, I, I want to be on Patreon side because like boo hate speech. But on the other hand, I'm like freedom of speech. But I like Patreon because they've emailed me two or three times. They're like, hey, your page is in jeopardy. Please take this down. Please do that, that differently. And I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah. Right. No, that was the rules, but I appreciate you emailing me instead of doing the YouTube thing of being like, you can't be here anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they did. They did send me an email and they said, you have, you know, sexually gratifying content on your page. Go ahead and take it down. But they didn't tell me like which posts it was. They And I had oh, had one post a day for since like since 2015. I had like thousands oh, of posts up. So I was like, can you tell me which one? And they're like, well, here's an example of one. But then yeah, we're, it's your job to take down anything else that might be. And so that I had to go back and forth five different times or so because every time I thought that I had taken everything down, like deleting all of these posts, they came, would always come back and say they're still infringing content. And it came down to that one angular black and white photo that I was mentioning. And I was like, I was feeling very self-righteous about the fact that this is an artistic photo and I was about to like lose everything on Patreon over it. And I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. Just suck it up. Delete the photo. (laughs) Doesn't that feel like our whole lives as art nude models of like, we want to be righteous and we want to be like, here's our thing. 
and then they're and all the platforms are like what no yes <laughs> like battle of like i want to do the right thing and i want to be big and i want to be bold and i want to be brave and then they're like but please don't do that yeah but don't be don't be that bold but you can be really bold if you're not making any money off of it but if you're making money off of it then fuck you you know <laughs> <laughs> part of me is well only fans has gotten really bad about like they'll get the errors and they, they don't i've put the i'm the one that has the list of all the words they don't have up there anymore of the things you can't do because they won't share that that's not super obvious unless you're like wait what is not allowed exactly and then that they can do the same thing but thankfully only fans is the other one that'll give you just the the big red mark of like fix the thing don't do this thing and but they i don't know yeah. how many shots they give you but yeah <laughs> I don't know how many chances they'll give you either, but I am kind of shocked sometimes when I've written a paragraph and they're like, oh, we can't send this message because it has bad words in it. And I'm like, okay, which one is bad? Like, <laughs> The word meat is bad. It's so bad. And I use it so the much. Word meat is bad. Uh, I think sleeping, you can't say anything about mm-hmm. sleeping or anything That's like bad. that. You can't say drunk. You can't say, like somebody will ask me on OnlyFans, like how many years of sobriety you, do you have? And I can't say 11 years because the phrase 11 years could indicate that I'm talking about a person that's 11 years old. So it's <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They are a little overreaching in that. And it's like, I understand. But at the same time, I think it's like you're slapping the wrist a little bit too hard. <laughs> but that that is the life of a content creator. So you said you've had your YouTube taken down. Have you been able to get the same channel back each time or did you have to start over? I've started over two or three times. And one time I had 10,000 subscribers and I was very excited because I was, well, I've got at various points I've been monetized for a hot second. And the time I was actually all the way monetized, I made like $2,000 in a month and I was like, hey, this sounds good. And then I was, I've been super demonetized. Like they will take all the monetization away. And right now I'm, I'll call it yellow monetized because I technically have monetization turned on, but people only, I only get money when people join the YouTube members channel thing, Uh which I can't put too much on because it's still the same YouTube rules. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. YouTube is tough. They're strict and they're merciless. But I mean, thanks for bringing that up because it it is really motivating me to start making YouTube content again because it is fun. I like updating just anybody about what I've been up to or like my thoughts or like what I'm creating or whatever behind the scenes. I think I was watching some of it may have been the early stages of the podcast, but it was you could see the people talking to each other. You were in the same room with people. Oh, you had Masha on there, right? It was was it you and Masha and one or two other people or am I misforgetting something? Yeah, I had Masha, I traveled with Masha to Hawaii and we did some content together. And I think that that was somebody else's podcast that we were both on. Yeah, I vaguely remember. I don't think that that one was on my YouTube channel, but I that one was on YouTube. <laughs> my memory's terrible about even content that I've created sometimes. And I also, previous to that, I had another YouTube or another podcast earlier in the pandemic that was more like a pandemic project where I I did have people on Zoom with me and it was video. And I decided that for this this podcast that I'm doing now, like, I didn't want to do video partly because, like, it's a lot of extra editing, but also because as freelance models, we're so used to people just looking at us and like ignoring anything that we're saying, whether it's in the caption of our posts or whatever, because we're always looked at, looked at, looked at, looked at. 
And I feel like there's so much that we have to say and like so many feelings and opinions that we have that are interesting in our experiences. And that's, that's why another reason why I was like, well, I'm not going to make the podcast visual. I'm, I'm going to make it just audio. People have to listen to us talk. <laughs> I like that. I feel like I've been able to get my thoughts together a little better when I'm not trying to be seen or giving a live speech or something, but I sit down and I write and I can go back through and edit and then I'll record an audiobook or something about it. And it gives me a little more, I just feel like I can get a little deeper with it because I have, I've had time to let it sit there. And I, I will be the very first person to admit I am not great at conversational skills as I'm trying to have a conversation here. Yay. But it, stuff just doesn't always come out right the first time. And a lot of times I have the whole, oh, I just put my foot in my mouth again thing. But if I have time to sit with the words and look at them and read them back, I'm like, okay, we can fix that. There's a solution for this. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I have another question that I like to ask everybody on the podcast. I call it the rising phoenix moment in your life. Can you describe something in your life where you were faced with a challenge that you had to overcome? And this could be like self-doubt or like a career change or like some kind of a, a hurdle in life. I feel like I face imposter syndrome every day. <laughs> like, even yeah. though I've been doing this for so long, there's still parts of me that are just like, well, I've gone back and forth with how much I model and how much I don't model. And then like, I'll cut my hair and just try to, I don't know, feel like I, I'm so anchored to that one personality of like, Jenna with the long hair. And then I'm like, hey, no, I don't want to be this person that's that that way. And then I'll go back and I'll have short hair and I'll do a photo shoot. And I'm like, oh, I remember why I do modeling. It's because I'm good at it. Like I've been doing it so long. I know how to do the poses and I've done the things and you can still make good images at it. But yeah, I do feel like I face imposter syndrome no matter what area I go into creating frequently. And I don't, I also don't want to like sit there and tell myself how great I am because I don't want to get too big of an ego and be like, you are Jenna Citrus, master of all things you try to do. (laughs) I don't want to get a big head about it. But on the other hand, I probably need to talk myself up instead of talking myself down. Yeah, that, that's not one particular moment, but frequent moments frequently. <laughs> I mean, that is very relatable. I feel that often, too, because in, in most times when I'm not creating and not, like, at a photo shoot or whatever, like, I'm just, like, in jammies or sweats, you know, like, you know, with a zit that's not being covered by foundation necessarily at that time or whatever. My hair might be, like, weird pointing in all different directions, <laughs> and that's kind of like normal for me. And I'm like, who is this online persona that I'm tricking everybody into thinking I really am? You know. Well, and I also hope in real life people don't recognize me because of that same thing. I'm like, hey, I'm just the person in the comfortable clothes. I'm not actually naked here. Well, because I realized that I have two very distinct sections of my closet. And so I finally separated them out instead of just being like, I have all these extra weird clothes that they don't fit me. So I won't wear them out in real life. They show my stomach and then like, well, I'm not really comfortable showing that also in real life. So I have like a modeling section and a real people clothes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I wear mom jeans. I am very like comfortable and like happy in my body and maybe even tomboyish. And then, then I also wear dresses and then I wear ball gowns and then I wear model clothes. And it's like the whole bring something sexy thing. Yeah. <laughs> I see that too. Hmm? Oh, thanks for watching the movie. That makes me special when I hear somebody watched it. I haven't seen it, but I've seen the previews for it. But I want to see it. I need to go talk that back down. (laughs) No worries. No worries. Has anybody ever recognized you in public? 
Yes, and it was this summer. And I don't know, because I see men out and they look at me and I don't know if they're looking at me being like, are you sexy Jenna from YouTube or are you just a person I'm staring at? Because I think they may or may not be sexy under their clothes. But there was one guy who was like, are you Jenna? I'm like, yes, that's me. And he's like, hey, I know you from YouTube. And I'm like, hi. That was the only bit of conversation. It didn't go deeper than that. But we were at a restaurant. So I was like, "Eh, okay. That's cool. Would you say that YouTube is your strongest social media presence? I would say that, but I've had some really big growth on Instagram in the past couple of months. So I don't know. uh, Well, I I just had one reel that got like 7 million views on it for no reason, which I feel like is almost stupid because when I put a lot of time, effort, and energy into making something, it doesn't get any views. But like 15 seconds and posted it and ta-da. So that's sort of, I think whenever I can get something to go viral, it's the best thing for me. Yes. And then if you think too hard about trying to make something that will go viral, like you said, that's those ones always flop. It's always the random in between ones that are low effort, right? <laughs> you put less effort into this, but still try to do something nice. <laughs> right. I want to ask about like your, your, you said that you go back and forth between having long hair and short hair, because I've and in my first time in life having short hair and I'm curious like what your decision to cut your hair was and then like kind of you had mentioned that you have you feel like you might have a different persona with different hair like can you go more in depth on that I will say I get so many hate comments for having short hair on my YouTube and even on Patreon and OnlyFans everyone's just like grow your hair back and I'm like what does it look like I'm doing so well in I always had short hair as a child and I always felt sort of body dysmorphic and like I was very ugly and I didn't feel very pretty. And then I got my hair long when I was a teenager and I thought it was very attractive on me. But then I started dyeing it and I eventually dyed it from a black to a blonde. And then I had to cut it all off because it was just really messed up. And I've, I just, like, I just kind of tend to like shave it and then let it grow back out. And one time I was doing YouTube and I was being the genesis of YouTube And I was just really struggling with not wanting to be that person that I felt like I was for YouTube. And so I cut my hair and it just, and for the longest time, I didn't make any new videos. And then if I did, I didn't show my hair. And I'm like, ha, they don't know. Because I caught it shoulder length that time. But the most recent time I cut my hair, I had long COVID for two and a half months. And at that point in time, I was like, I don't think I'm going to get better. So I'm just going to cut my hair because I'm tired of laying on it. And then I got better like a week or two after that. And I'm like, hey, good. (laughs) Sign me up for that. So short hair is so much easier to manage, especially like I love to be in the water. And so letting it dry out is a lot easier because I have really thick hair, but I think long hair photographs prettier on me, but I have started wearing wigs a little bit. So I, yeah. I feel like I'm, the, the YouTube version of me is like a little more amped up and like insanely happiness juice driven focused for no reason. And me is a little bit more like laid back and relaxed if I can get that way. But also yeah. I'm kind of weird around people. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I know the bubbly thing like really works on the internet, especially for driving traffic to your pages, right? I mean, I will say I am definitely a lot bit of bubbly in real life. So that's not, I don't feel like I have an act that I wear. It's just like I amp up myself a little bit more, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're hamming it up for the camera and, and all that. But it is nice because like I'll have friends over and we'll do live streams and then we'll not be on live stream. And I'm like, this is nicer to hang out with you without having to record ourselves and be be the internet personality versions of ourselves. Well, yeah. I don't 
do behind the scenes at photo shoots sometimes. And I just have to like watch what I say. Cause I'm like, I don't want this recorded and put on the internet for everyone to hear. Right. Yeah. I've done that too. And I'm like, I'm just going to put music over this one so they can't hear our conversation. <laughs> That's the smart answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so I've seen a little bit of your stuff, like, especially on YouTube, you have dance history. I don't have any professional dance history. I was in gymnastics in fourth and fifth grade, but I just love dancing. So I do it as much as I can. And that's why I started doing music a while back. So I could do more dance videos. And I'm like, hey, oh, well, cool. Before TikTok took over the internet and you were allowed to just use music and stuff, you weren't allowed to use music for YouTube videos. And so you, I was like, how do I work around this? And I'm like, ah, I will make my own music. And then like TikTok and stuff took off at that time. And I'm like, well, or I can use other people's music. <laughs> Wow, that's so cool. So you were making your own music to so that you didn't have to deal with YouTube's copyright infringement. Wow, like you put you put so much into like all of your content. You you have TikTok also. I'm not great at TikTok or keeping it up, but I do have it. Well, yeah. I, when I first started making art and everything in general, I wanted it to be so insanely original that I would just like go to extreme lengths, like the music thing, because that's sort of in my mind right now. It's like, well, that's sort of insane to have to go that far to learn music <laughs> to share online. I mean, I also wanted to do music because I liked music for a long time and never did anything with it. But now I've seen other people creating and like one person put stickers on a chair and put it off as their own art. And I'm like, if you can take other people's copyrighted stickers and put it on a chair, heck, I'm going to do that. It's it's the era of AI and why the F not. So I'll just, I'll get a little more steely like an artist instead of trying to make, because I would make my own stickers. I would like draw stuff. Out. Oh, I wouldn't draw. I'm terrible at drawing, but I could do tracings on computers. So I'd take a photo, trace it, use the Cricut, cut out the sticker and be like, ha, huh, I have a sticker now. Instead of I bought these off Teamu. Here they are. It's a dollar thirty nine on a chair. Buy this. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's that is an interesting thing to sell a stickered chair. Are you on Vimeo also? I'm not because they took me down, and I didn't yeah. want to get back up again. So I just let that off. I was excited yeah. that they have a partnership with Patreon, but I don't trust them. After all, the other people I've heard like pay for Vimeo, then get it taken down, and they won't give you your money back. So I'm like, hmm, doesn't seem good. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that has also happened to me more than once. I've actually had Vimeo deleted eight times. <laughs> and you have to create a new email address every time. And and I think the last time was a couple years ago. And I was like, oh, fine, I finally give up. But when I had my YouTube channel deleted, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just start a new Vimeo and put my old YouTube content on Vimeo. Because surely if it was allowed on YouTube, it should be allowed on Vimeo. But I was wrong. Oh, not again. No, I'm so I was sorry. wrong. I had one video was a lingerie review video. So it was all, I was wearing lingerie through the whole video, <laughs> talking about the lingerie, showing close-ups of it. And that was too sexually gratifying for, for Vimeo. So <laughs> I know uh, it's ridiculous. I feel like the internet hates me. You know, do you ever feel that way? Absolutely. Because because someone was showing me, they're like, here, this video is on YouTube and it's of a naked girl. And I'm like, yeah, but if I get naked at all, like implied nudity, they absolutely take my stuff down. Like I do feel very targeted on there. It feels like all of the social platforms are connected somehow and they like know like from our IP address or whatever, like <laughs> who we are or even our even our names. 
well, I know Tiffany Naki for a while started going by Miss Naki or I was there even maybe even one more name, but because she was having all those problems with YouTube or Instagram blocked her name forever. It's like you cannot be Naki anymore. Yeah. They said you can't make any new accounts under this name. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah, that is bizarre. Yeah, there's I think just like the internet in general has like hate if they find out who you are they i feel like we're marked or even if you create a new account i just feel like we're marked (laughs) and all the double standards for it because if you're a big corporation or company that has all these sexy people on it they're like oh that's fine they have a million followers don't worry about it but if you're like trying to build an audience still they're like oh i don't think so (laughs) so like moving forward with your life like do you see yourself continuing to be like a full-time content creator for a while well, I've been doing, I will call it other content besides visual content. Like I've been doing audio meditations and music and just kind of any different area I can get myself into. Like I like writing books and I, yesterday I found out I could make coloring book images with AI and I felt like it was cheating, but I'm like, hey, I'll give it a shot. So I will probably be making some type of content, but it may or may not necessarily be super model based. I mean, I don't, I don't see myself retiring from this right now. But if one of my other areas started being more full-time income, I would probably look at it and give it more attention and focus. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Every I get really burnt out doing what I'm doing with the whole constant content creating and putting it all out there. But I take a lot of breaks that people probably don't notice because I schedule stuff out when I take breaks. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be making stuff every day. But yeah, I'll just I'll make the content all on one day and then schedule it out another day and then just live my life for (laughs) the rest of the month and not have to think about it and then be like ah I am back and doing the things again I feel like we have a lot of similarities in a lot of these ways because I know that not everybody does like to schedule content in advance like that because it's a huge chore but I feel a lot more security in my life if I have posts scheduled yeah well as much as I'm this is not a hate topic I'm about to bring up but like the local models that like are my friends and I've worked with them and things like that they don't schedule content and because of that when they have the thing that I just had where I'm like hey I'm really burnt out I'm not going to post anything they'll not post anything for a month or two or three and then they'll come back and be like hey I'm going to start posting every day again and then they do it for three days and then they don't post anything again and for me that feels like the best the the opposite of the best way to keep a consistent audience because they like that consistency of Hey, yeah. here's the thing. Here's another thing. Like I've got it all scheduled and posted out. And I have talked to a couple of the people that I message with a whole bunch on OnlyFans. Big, like I'll call them big time supporter fans, and yes. they're okay with that. They're like, and but then they'll be like, "Wait, didn't you just do this or wearing this outfit this other day?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's a different day. I've I'm, this is not right now. And sometimes it is right now, but yeah." I but then if you cut your hair, do you, are you like also sharing content from before you cut your hair or do you try to keep it looking current? No, I just share content from whenever. Well, and sometimes cool. I'll be like, here's a throwback to when I first started modeling or here's a throwback to X, Y, and Z or something. So Yeah. Yeah. I do the same. I, I would like to say that I always have enough content to be scheduling current stuff, but sometimes it is also throwbacks. Oh, and I'm not in love with my hair right now. <laughs> like I keep go, I'm going through so many awkward stages that I keep getting a lot of haircuts to try to make it look better, but they last about a week right now. And then it looks weird again. Also, when your hair was really, really short, 
I was so in love with how you could just make it go flat onto your forehead and envious a little bit because mine doesn't do that. I have calyx everywhere, but yeah, oh. it looked really cute. So good job with your hair. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like the way that it lays usually. It is growing to a point where it's going to start going over my eyes soon, and I'm not sure what to do about it. I I part mine down the middle and just let it go to the side. Or you can just like do a little comb over, make it all emo kid style. But it looks do the Karen hair outfit. <laughs> I did one hair one haircut. And my I came back. My partner's like, "You have a Karen haircut," and I'm like, "Okay, I'm not going back there again." <laughs> I might I might try to do it. Like I don't care if there's a stigma about the haircut. If it looks good, may, I might do it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also considering bleaching it soon. So I mine is blonde right now. I I did that. <laughs> so and what oh, is your natural hair color? It's a dark or no, it's a light brown or a dark blonde, depending on how much sun it's had in it. But oh, I well, yeah. technically the last color I dyed it was purple, but then I spent three hours in the pool and it was blonde again. And I'm like, hey, the purple didn't take really well anyway. So this is better. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> cool. This has been such a fun conversation. I can't believe it's almost been an hour already. (laughs) Yeah, I've been having a blast on here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, totally. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up before we part ways? I didn't have anything specific, but I'm an open book if you have anything. (laughs) It's all good. I think we covered so much, especially like how much content creation that you do and put out there because that's another element of being a freelance model is that to be successful, you often have to create a bunch of your own content or at least be on top of your social media presence. And, and it is a fucking full-time job on its own. And I, I, I see like how much effort you put into your different platforms. And it is inspiring to me. Like, like I said earlier, I'm, I might finally start making YouTube content again because getting the platform sucked, but, you know, seeing other people doing it, even in, in the face of getting their channels removed, you know, it, it is uplifting. It, it's one of those burning the candle at both ends type of jobs, but you got to find some type of schedule or consistency or something that makes you not crazy. That's sort of the, the finding the balance is the, the motto I'll have to stick with. Yeah. Put, putting it out there, but not putting too much out that makes you crazy. Totally. Well, all right, Jenna, I will add links to your stuff, to your Instagram, Patreon, and whatnot in the show notes for this episode. And otherwise, I think that uh, we're nearing the end. Well, I appreciate being here. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jenna. All right. Have a good one. You too. Talk soon. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye.